Just show your appreciation for the Gideons and all that they do. And again, they'll be at the close of service. They'll be in the back with their Bibles open. Uh, to, you can uh, bring your offerings to them in the back there. But uh, today, good morning. It's good to be here today. Uh, haven't been up here in, in this position, uh, in, in this sanctuary. It'll be the first time here being able to speak uh, outside of you know, BGMC offering a couple of announcements and promotion here and there. And so it's a, a great honor and a privilege to be here. Um, if you don't know, my name is Ryan. I'm the children's pastor here. Uh, give you a little, uh, maybe put some of you at ease. Maybe it'll be a bummer to some of you, but I don't have any magic tricks planned. Um, I don't I don't have any, um, nothing's going to blow up that I know of. Uh, I've, I don't have any skits or anything planned, so no one's going to come out of this door. So if you're watching the door, nothing's going to come out of there. Uh, unless some of you, I don't know, you girls want to be a part of a Bible story or something. You guys are like, oh, is he serious right now? No, I'm not going to do that, I promise. I'll pick, on the, I'll pick on the adults over here. That sounds like a better idea, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but today, Pastor Gary, he asked me to come and simply share what the Lord has laid on my heart. Uh, and not at 100 mile an hour is like sometime I speak. So today, what I want to share with you is really about wisdom. Uh, and uh, simply, one of the things that the Lord has laid on my heart as I've been uh, reading, as I've been reading uh, through the Old Testament, is this idea of, of wisdom. And when I say wisdom, I'm sure that many of you, uh, a, a name, a face of somebody comes to mind. Someone who you think of as, that was, that was a wise individual. Maybe it's because they had influence in your life. Maybe it's because they made really good decisions. Maybe it's because they had a, a dramatic pause every time before they gave an answer to something. You're like, aha, that clearly, that is wisdom right there, right? Uh, or maybe it's because they frustrated you because they would always tell you, here's what you should do. And when you didn't do it, you found out you were always wrong, right? Uh, maybe that was that voice of wisdom, the person of uh, wisdom we think of in our lives, uh, but nonetheless, wisdom, I think, is something that we would all uh, desire to have, uh, to be wise, to make wise, uh, sound decisions. And today, what I want to share with you is something to potentially maybe change our perspective a little bit on how and when we seek wisdom, on how and when we seek wisdom. But first, it probably makes sense to define wisdom, because Wisdom can have many different definitions. You look in any dictionary, they're going to vary from place to place, all centering around the same idea, something like the ability to make sound or good decisions based on the knowledge that you've gained or the experiences that you've had, the good judgment that you have, uh, kind of tends to revolve around that. The thing with those is sometimes it, it can take many years to develop that, right? To gain that knowledge, to gain those experiences, to have that good judgment. Still a good definition. Maybe it's simply put, the ability to make right decisions. It'd be a simple definition. On Wednesday nights uh, with the kids a little while back, we did a series on wisdom and we defined it as finding out what you should do and doing it. Pretty simple. Finding out what you should do and doing it. Makes it simple. But there's another definition that I like uh, a little better, and before I share this with you, it's not, I'm not talking about magic or any kind of mystery when I say this, but the definition, my favorite definition is uh, wisdom is the ability to act as though you know the future without seeing the future. So the ability to act, to make decisions, to respond to situations in life as though you know the future without actually being able to see the future. Let me explain what I mean, because... That seem a little odd, but yet 
I think in our lives, when we think of different stories in our life, this is the idea that we're thinking of. Just never maybe put it to words. And that When I was a kid, uh, I used to go down to my grandparents' ranch in the summer. Uh, I don't know how many of you, you went to the grandparents in the, in the summer or something like that. Okay, a few of you. I used to love doing that. It's favorite part of the summer. We look forward to it. And uh, my, my grandpa, one of my favorite things is that he would always teach me how to do stuff. Right? Teach me how to, how to fence uh, or how to, you know, how to dig post holes and, and just the, the simple things, but the things he would teach me to do. And he had a unique way of doing it in that when I think of wisdom, the person I think of a lot of times is my grandpa. Uh, and sometimes it was because of that dramatic pause that you would ask a question or do something and there would be that, well, maybe you should do this. But one story in particular uh, to illustrate this definition is I remember being under his pickup, one of the ranch trucks down there, because when you're you know, like five, six, seven years old, it makes sense that your grandpa would stick you under the truck to work on it, right? Uh, and so we're under there changing the oil, and he hands me the wrench, and I'm under there, all right, what am I doing? See that right there? You need to take that off. All right, here we go. Put the wrench on, try to take it off, and it won't go. And some of you know where the direction this might be headed. And I'm trying, and I'm trying, and it just won't go anywhere. And I'm laying on my back, right? And, uh, and you know, hands slip off, scraping up my knuckles. It just won't go anywhere. Grandpa, we called him Papo. Papo was what we called him, uh, and still do, actually. Uh, but he's just sitting there on a bucket next to the pickup, just sitting there, just watching me struggle. And, you know, wrench slips off, knuckles are getting, you know, all beat up. And I said, I can't get it. And finally he responds with, you ever think about turning it the other way? And I'm just like, well, yeah, but I'm turning it the right way, right? I'm trying to loosen it here. Okay, okay. Well, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Yeah, I know righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, and I'm trying, and I'm trying. Uh, and he said, maybe you should turn it the other way. And I go to turn it the other way, and click. Comes out, we change the oil on the pickup, good to go, Right? And he just sat there in that bucket. I'll never forget because there's so many times that happen where we're sitting there just getting beat up or doing something wrong, and he's just sitting on the bucket just watching us, you know, struggle. And eventually there's that, have you ever thought about doing this? And it was interesting because the reason he did that, at the time I didn't know, I was just a mad kid, right? When you were sitting there, you could have told me. The reason he did it is because he knew what it would do if he let me struggle, if he let me go through that. Uh, I'm not saying it was a huge struggle, but if you let me go through that, he knew there were some things I would never forget. I would never forget righty-tighty-lefty-loosey. How many of you know righty-tighty-lefty-loosey, right? Uh, I would never forget that. I would also never forget that if I'm really struggling to do something, specifically with a vehicle, right, and it's not going, it's not loosening up, maybe I should stop and try turning it the other way. Because sometimes you're upside down, you're on your head or wherever you are, and you're actually not thinking about things right down there, right? Uh, and so there's a few things there that he taught me, and the reason he waited is because he knew if he just told me, I would forget. But if he waited and he let me struggle, then I would remember it for the rest of my life. And it's so true that I have. In fact, I've never forgot many of these stories that can go on and on and on. Some of you in here, you can say, yep, I do that all the time, right? Uh, but I believe it's because he knew the future without seeing the future. See, he knew that by doing that, I would never forget this. He couldn't see exactly what I'd do, exactly how I could respond, but yet he knew the future. He knew what would happen if he made that decision to do that. And so that's going to be my favorite definition of wisdom, is the ability to act, respond, as though you know the future, 
without being able to see the future. And what I want to challenge you with today in regards to wisdom is that we should seek and apply wisdom in our daily lives and not just in our occupations or our positions, the roles that we have. Maybe that's a manager, a coworker, a business owner, an employee, whatever that might be, or maybe it's, maybe it's a parent, right? That's a position, that's a role, an extreme, extremely vital, or a grandparent. But the challenge is that wisdom is not just for uh, our uh, occupations or our positions, but for our daily lives. And to illustrate that, to, to, to kind of let you know why I, I want to bring that importance to it today, I want to use the life of a man uh, found in Scripture that it, his wisdom really goes without comparison. If you're familiar with Scripture, you probably already know who I'm talking about, but if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of 1 Kings. And we'll go to 1 Kings chapter 3 here in a moment. But a little backstory, you're going to talk about a man named Solomon. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm be honest, I'm really resisting the urge to have you repeat after me uh, constantly throughout this message that we do with the kids to make sure everyone's tracking with me. So if I ask you to repeat after me, just go with it or something. Um, or if I pause, it's because I'm trying not to do that. Uh, but in 1 Kings chapter 3, we find a, a man named Solomon. Now Solomon, his dad, was David. Are you familiar with the story of David and Goliath? Uh, he became king over Israel. And as king, we don't know all the trials and all the temptations that David faced. We know some of them. We know that he had struggles. We know that he didn't always make the right decisions. But the legacy that David left was that of being a man after God's own heart, of being a man after God's own heart. And so he, he gets older, he dies, and his son Solomon takes over as king. And we can read the story here uh, of what happened uh, of an incredible moment when God appeared to him in a dream. And it begins in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, some of you, you've read that before, but I mean, wow, what a question, right? Now, also remember that Solomon, he was a young man. We don't know his exact age, but, you know, teens, 20s, somewhere in there is where we think Solomon was. Either way, we think about ourselves currently where we are in our teens or 20s or where we were in our teens or 20s and think about how we might have answered that question, right? Uh, the many things that we could have done. An amazing, amazing question. And I would love to be asked that today, right? But continues on, and Solomon answered an amazing answer. He says, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What a, what a response there, right? I don't know how many of us would have responded. Uh, reading this now, I'm sure we would. Uh, and, and after reading this story, but it continues on in verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have, excuse me, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. That part, I kind of like that part. He said that 
the death of your enemies. I never thought that Solomon could have just said, you know what, them, 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 and them. I don't like them, I want them gone. He could have asked for that, and yet he didn't. He asked for wisdom. He said, I will, continues in verse 12, Lord speaking, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. It's an amazing story of a wise decision to ask for wisdom. And I don't know how many of us would have asked for that, but you might even wonder, well, what exactly did that look like? I mean, was it really that big of a deal? And we know that it was. Because in a few verses following, and I won't read it right from here, we see one of the first displays of Solomon's wisdom. And there's a, a situation that happens. It's a tragic story, but yet and an example that God had truly made a deposit into him of this wisdom. And there's two women. There's two prostitutes. Uh, I'm just going to summarize it here rather than read it. And, and they both had babies. And, and one of them, sadly, in the middle of the night, she rolls over on her baby. The baby dies. And so in the middle of the night, this sad story goes from sad to, to even worse. And she takes that lifeless child and she brings it over to this other woman. And she places it next to her and switches babies. This woman wakes up, she realizes the, the, the child next to her is a lifeless child, but yet that's not hers. She realizes she had taken her child. They begin to argue about it, and somehow they end up before the king with this dilemma. She took my child, no, it's my child, and they're going back and forth, and King Solomon, he was asking, whose child is it? And, and she says, it's mine, no, it's mine, no, it's mine. He says, stop, bring a sword. What? Bring a sword? guys bring a sword. And he said, cut the living child in half. She gets half. She, she gets half. We're good to go, right? Think about that. Now I can breeze through that and say that because of Reddit and I know the outcome of the story, but the idea of that turns my stomach. Even saying those words, cut that child in half, give half to her, half to her, everybody's happy. Just turns my stomach to think about it. But yet it's clear that Solomon wouldn't do that unless he knew what was about to happen. I'm not saying he could see the future. I'm not saying he knew exactly what they were going to say, what was exactly was going to happen, but he knew what was about to take place. And that the woman whose baby it really was said, stop, she can have the baby, just let the baby live. He says, you're the one, you're the one that loves that child. It's your child, give the baby back. Problem solved. Whoa! Clearly a deposit of wisdom had been made in him, and clearly he was able to make decisions based on what he knew about the future, even though he couldn't see the future. I'm not saying he could tell the future. I'm not saying anything magical, anything. There's no mystery about it. I'm saying that's what wisdom does. It gives us the ability to make decisions based on what we know about the future, even though we can't see about the future. And I'm sure hearing that and knowing that, um, it, you would probably want that kind of wisdom in your life. Uh, I find it hard to believe that anyone would say, no. Nah, I don't really want the ability to make right decisions. No, I don't really want the ability to, to do things like that. I find it hard to believe that, uh, but the truth is, just as it was available for Solomon, it's available for us. If we turn to the book of James, um, at the end of uh, the, the New Testament, the book of James, he, he writes uh, a pretty interesting prescription on how to receive this. He writes in James chapter 1, verse 5, 
He says, uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. The same that Solomon received wisdom, we can receive wisdom from God today. The ability to make those right decisions. But remember in the beginning, the challenge that I wanted to present to you is that we don't just seek wisdom for our occupations or our positions, but we seek wisdom for our daily lives. We seek wisdom during the trials and temptations that we're going to face in life because there's another ending, uh, or excuse me, there is a ending, uh, but another side to Solomon's life. Some of you may be aware, uh, but we can read about that in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. And this ending by no means um, negates the or invalidates the the truth that Solomon had wisdom, and the wisdom that he had was real and genuine, but it's nonetheless a true story. And it says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Was the first person he married was Pharaoh's daughter. It was a political marriage is why he did it, not to honor God. Um, and, that, and continues on Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites and Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. And then verse 4, it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. It's a sad ending to the story. You say, well, did God stop giving him wisdom? No, God told him the future. He said, if you do this, here's what's going to happen. So he knew the future. He couldn't see it, but he knew it. And so had God just stopped giving him this wisdom? No, I don't think that's the case. I think it goes back to the beginning. And when he asked for wisdom, it was clear what he said uh, in, uh, and I'll just read it for you, uh, in 1 Kings 3, 9, it said, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. He asked and received wisdom for the occupation, for, every, for what God had called him to do. The issue is that Solomon didn't apply that wisdom to his daily life, through the trials and temptations that he was going to face in life. And the bottom line, the challenge is that we seek God's wisdom for our daily lives and not just that, that occupation, that position, that role that we have. And I believe there's two areas, there's two circumstances in our lives that we're going to face that how we choose to apply wisdom to our lives, how we choose to seek it and apply it to our lives will be defining moments of our lives and will determine our future. And that's how we respond to the trials and temptations in life. They're defining points in our lives. The decision to give up or the decision to persevere. The decision to give in or the decision uh, to overcome. And the, the, the truth about wisdom is that seeking God's wisdom in our daily lives trains us to recognize what we are facing and teaches us to respond according to God's standards and his purposes and who he has called us to be in our lives. And maybe we could change that to we should seek God's wisdom for who he has called us to be, not just what he has called us to do. And wisdom brings the perspective of how could I strengthen my relationship with the Lord? How could what I'm going through mold me into who God has called me to be? And a huge area of our lives where this will come through is how we respond to trials, to those situations in our life that are going to test our faith, that are going to test uh, our trust in God. And James, right before he, he shares uh, about how to seek, receive wisdom, 
he talks about that. It's kind of interesting, right before wisdom, he says in James 1, verse 2, Consider your pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then he goes on to say, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. Pretty crazy, though. I mean, just the idea of that, if we're being real with each other, right? Someone hurts you, you, you the idea of, woo, that's awesome, I love it, doesn't really make sense, right? Uh, the idea of going through something difficult and saying, yes, this is amazing, I'm so excited, I'm so excited that, that happened to me, doesn't really happen that way. But before we you know, go that, down that road of that's ridiculous, whatever that might be, it's important to ask the question, why? Just like any time there's something we don't understand or don't agree with, it's important to ask the question, why? And the answer to why is, what is the outcome of that? What is the outcome of being willing to persevere through the trials and the times, excuse me, the times that test our faith? Uh, and I know uh, from James, what he shares is that uh, w- the outcome of persevering is that we would be mature and complete, lacking nothing. As a believer, that means we, we're able to live and respond at all times in a manner that pleases God, right? Imagine a life where we didn't make mistakes. Imagine a life where uh, at any point, no matter what's going on in our lives, we could trust the God who created us no matter what. That's what it looks like. That's one of the outcomes of, of being willing to persevere through trials is that we are mature and complete and able to do that. Receive the crown of life. There's another verse, uh, just uh, verse 12 there later. He said, perseverance, uh, if you persevere, you will receive the crown of life or eternal life. Well, that sounds like a pretty good reason to persevere, a pretty good reason to press on. And another author writes something encouraging, because even though it's crazy as that sounds, you know, uh, rejoice when, when, basically be excited when bad things are happening, it doesn't really make sense. But in uh, the book of Romans, uh, the author Paul, in Romans 8, 28, he says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So if God's word is true and it is, we know uh, that if we persevere, good things are to come. You might say, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Well, the truth is, even if I had gone through a ton of difficult circumstances that were just uh, unimaginable, the truth is they still wouldn't compare to yours because we're still different people. We still face things that are different. We still experience and feel things that are different. So we couldn't run that comparison. But the truth is, number one, God's word is still true. And it's his word teaching us that, but also it helps that Paul's personal experiences in life help too. Because the man that said those words, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, is a man who was beaten and imprisoned multiple times, being innocent, doing nothing but sharing about Jesus, right? Uh, he was a man who was stoned and left for dead. So they sat there, they threw rocks at him, say, okay, he's dead, and they move on, but he wasn't dead. He was a man who was shipwrecked. And the reason he was even on the ship is because he was a prisoner for doing nothing wrong. And he goes through all of this, and yet he's able to say, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And the truth is, we need to ask to seek God's wisdom to daily, uh, seek his wisdom daily so that we can recognize when we are facing those trials, when we are facing trials in life. And when we do that, it changes things from, why, God, would you allow this to happen? Why, God, would you let this to happen? by no means diminishing the things that we go through because they're still real. But the truth is, it changes things from that perspective to, God, I trust you, even though this makes no sense. Because it doesn't mean that in the midst of trials, it's always going to make sense. 
but develops the ability to trust in our God no matter what. Am I saying it's that simple? Yes. Am I saying it's that easy? No. Certainly not that easy to do that, to just apply that to life. But a simple illustration, example, um, doesn't compare to the trials that we go through, but the idea of perseverance and how, yeah, it doesn't make sense that good can come from that, but it can, is weight training. I'm sure many of you in here have done some form of exercise, weight training. Some of you are like, eh, probably, well, yeah, someone told me I should, but, uh, right, uh, I'm, I'm in that same boat now. Uh, but used to a lot. Used to do a lot of weight training. In high school, used to work out two hours a day, five days a week. I loved it. I was addicted to it almost in some ways. Uh, but the, the truth about weight training is, when you do it, you realize that the only way to grow is to experience pain. And I remember a time when I was lifting and uh, doing, uh, one of the things I was stuck at was bench press. You lay down on the bench, you press the bar up, right? And I was stuck at about 225. I couldn't, I couldn't get more than 225 pounds. Uh, and it was bugging me, but someone came in and said, well, have you ever tried doing negatives? What's a negative? Well, it, you do the same thing, same reps, but you take the bar, and this time you put more on that bar than you've ever lifted before, and then you see how long you can hold it up and slowly let it down. Okay, let's try it. And so we put 245 on the bar and hold it up there, and you let it down as slow as you can. He takes the bar up. You let it down as slow as you can, takes the bar up. And you do that, and it's 10 reps, and then another set of 8 reps, another set of 6 reps. And I tell you, I've never felt pain like that during weight training before. It was literal pain. Uh, I felt the burn. I, I felt pain from weight training. When they say, oh, no, that's good. This hurt like I never felt in the weight room before. For a week, for two weeks, my arms just hurt. But something amazing happened in that about two or three weeks later, I'll never forget going in, we're doing maxing, and all of a sudden, I could bench 245 pounds. Whoa, that really worked. And pretty soon, I began putting that back in. I began looking forward to the moments when I could do these, these negatives. And when I would feel that pain, what would go through my mind was, oh, yeah, I know I'm getting stronger. Oh, yeah, I know I'm getting stronger as I would do that. And yes, it hurt just the same. And as you put on more weight, in fact, at times it even hurt more. But yet I knew in the end, I knew what the future held. I didn't know exactly what that looked like. I couldn't see the future, but I knew what was coming. And so I looked forward to that, and I was willing to go through that. And the question is, are we willing to act based on what we know about the future? Are we willing to persevere knowing that we will be made complete, lacking nothing, and rewarded with eternal life? Although the moments in our lives that we go through may be unbearable at times, by no means going to diminish that or try to take away from the reality of that, the truth is they are but that, a moment in comparison to the eternal life that awaits us if we're willing to persevere and press through the trials that we uh, face, the trials that we face. But the catch, if you will, is that the only way we're going to see that to be true is if we actually are willing to persevere, if we're willing to actually go through that. And so the challenge is that we would seek wisdom in our daily lives to recognize, to see when we're facing trials, that we can look ahead to the goals and apply that wisdom to our lives. And the second area that we come through uh, that we need to respond to is the temptation temptation. Uh, and I, I'm doing that because I, I keep wanting you to repeat after me here, right? Uh, but some of you are older than five years old, six years, seven years old, so I suppose no need to. Uh, but in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 13, uh, is where uh, right after he talks about James, the author talks about wisdom, he begins to talk about 
sin. And something interesting, he says, this is the part where it's going to say, ouch. Uh, it says in James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Ouch, right? Everyone say, ouch. Good, you're with me there, right? But I love how he put that. It like just makes it worse. Everyone is dragged away by their own evil desire. It just makes it sound even, even worse there. Uh, but he says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Uh, excuse me. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so what it's saying is that desire to sin, to do wrong, to give in to temptation is actually coming from within. You might say, no, 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 no. I don't want to do those things. I just do them, right? I don't want to do that. They put it in front of me. I don't want to do it. They did it. The truth is the desire to sin, the want to sin, it comes from within. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's no way you can get over that. I'll get to that in a moment. We want to make sure that we recognize when we are tempted that it's actually something from within, a want that we have. You say, I don't know. Simple illustration, cookies. How many of you in here like cookies, right? Yeah, you don't have to be kids that like cookies. Mom, let's just, let's just use simple illustration, pretend we're kids in here. Mom bakes a fresh batch of cookies. They're sitting on the table. You walk into the kitchen. The first thing she says, because it's about supper time, is don't eat them, right? And then we cry. I don't know. But anyway, so the cookies are sitting there. You walk in. You smell them. Uh, and John's over here just drooling. I can see it. Uh, and, uh, and you see him. You're like, oh, man. The first thought that goes through your mind, I'm not a mind reader, but I know this is true. How can I take a cookie and rearrange it so it doesn't look like I took a cookie, right? It's the truth. Uh, and you might say, well, but she put the cookies there. No, if you didn't want the cookie, you wouldn't want the cookie. If you didn't want the cookie, you would walk by and not care. If you didn't want the cookie, that thought wouldn't even have gone through your mind. So, not saying it controls us, I'm just saying we need to recognize the truth that, yes, that's something from within. Because the truth is that uh, although the desire is from within us, within us is also the Holy Spirit. So desire is from within us, but within us, is also the Holy Spirit. And Paul speaks again to this. Uh, another author in the New Testament, and he says in Romans 8, 11, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is with you. So yeah, that's from within me, but wait a second, the same Holy Spirit that brought a guy back from the dead to life, he's within me too. Okay, now we're getting real. And it says later in Romans 8, 13, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Well, James already said that. But if you if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So yeah, although the desire is from within us, within us is also the Holy Spirit who is greater. Yeah, pretty sure the Holy Spirit is greater. Brought Jesus back from the dead. Not the only one. And so the idea is that we recognize when we are being tempted, so we recognize it's something from within us. And it takes wisdom to do that so that we can then submit to the convictions that we have, submit to the promptings of the Holy Spirit saying, in simple terms, wait a second, hold on, you probably shouldn't do that, right? Uh, and we've probably experienced that in our lives. But it takes wisdom to recognize when we're experiencing that and to respond knowing what we do about the future. Because you might say, well, what does wisdom really have to do with temptation? Remember the definition I gave of wisdom is the ability to act or respond based on what you know about the future without having to see the future. And James gives an interesting picture. Uh, he said at the very end of the, uh, the, that uh, passage there, said, um, after desire has conceived, so desire inside of us, 
after that's conceived, it gives birth to sin. It gives birth to sin. And then from sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Say, no, you can't tell the future. Well, actually, we kind of can. The desire is there. We give into it, sin. If we don't choose to stop there, what does it lead to? Death. Not just physical death, potentially, depending on what it is, but it's talking about spiritual death, being separated from the God who created us forever. So no, we can't see the future, but we do know the future. If we don't choose to act based on what we already do know and to submit to the Holy Spirit and overcome the temptations that we face, and that's a clear picture that James painted there, the truth is that wisdom changes our perspective from what happens now, in the moment, in the next day, in the, the small moments that we have in life, to the big picture. So you may be able to see the big picture of how it's going to affect the big picture of our lives. If we don't seek wisdom, we're simply living in and by the moment. But when we seek wisdom, we look at the big picture, or the mile up view. And not of how will this affect me today and tomorrow, but how will this affect not just my life, but how will this affect eternity? And how will this, as parents and grandparents, how will this affect our children and the decisions that we make and the legacy that we live? Again, is it simple? Am I saying that it's simple to, to do this? Yes. Am I saying it's easy? No. I'm not saying that it's easy by any means to overcome sin. Otherwise, we wouldn't ever talk about temptation, right? But the idea that the Holy Spirit within us is stronger and be willing to submit to that, to recognize when we're being tempted and submit to that um, is, uh, is true. James gave us that clear picture. No, we don't get to see the future in every moment of our lives, but the truth is that wouldn't develop our faith or our trust in God. Rather, we'd be simply living by the moment anyway. What I mean by that is if you could see the future, the possibility is there for us to make decisions based on, okay, this only affected me for this long. Well, the outcome of this was this, so I'm okay with this, but not okay with this, and I'm okay with this a little bit here, but not okay with that decision there. So the truth is we're better off knowing the big picture anyway. And what it comes down to is whether or not we're willing to seek and apply wisdom in our daily lives through the trials and the temptations that we face, and not just in the occupations or the positions or the roles that we have. And in closing, in bringing this message down uh, back to that bottom line, the truth is we're going to face trials. I don't think anyone in here would disagree with that. And that's not, that's not being a pessimist or anything. It's just the reality is, yeah, we're going to face trials. We're going to face things that are difficult in our lives, moments that will test our faith. So we define trials as moments that will test our faith, test your trust in God. And we're going to face temptations, moments that will define our true love for God. We don't know exactly when that will be or how it's going to look, uh, which is why we need to seek his wisdom to be able to recognize those moments, to be able to recognize when we're facing trials, to be able to recognize when we're being tempted. Because when trials come, it changes things to where we begin to recognize it as an opportunity to grow. And when temptation sets in, it's an opportunity to overcome. And Solomon, when we read about him, he asked for the right thing. I'm not going to doubt that. None of this invalidates uh, the wisdom that he had because God poured it out a hundredfold. He made that deposit in his life. But may we ask for the same thing, that same deposit of wisdom in our lives to seek wisdom, but not just for the things that God has called us to do, but for who God has called us to be as his children, as followers of Jesus. Because our long-term success in those roles, our long-term success in what God has called us to do, hinges on the decisions that we're going to make and how we respond 
the trials and the temptations that we face in life. We don't have all the answers in life. That's just true. And someday we will when we persevere and when we overcome. And I know we'd all like to know the future, but even if we knew the little details, we would ask for the end result anyway. Let me explain. Let's say someone lays before you a, a, a photo album of the future. And you begin to look through that photo album, the decisions you make in every moment of your life. The truth is, although you're going to be excited to see the decisions that you made daily, what happened from them, what you're really going to want to know is what's the last page hold, right? What we really want to know, what we're really going to care about, because when we look at that, when we get to the end, we're going to find out that what's at the end, that last page, is what really, really matters anyway. And so really, although we can't see the future, God's word makes it pretty clear what the future really is when we're willing to persevere and when we're willing to uh, overcome the temptations that we face. And my hope is that we would be willing to seek and apply God's wisdom, knowing what we already do about the future. I'm not saying there's anything magical, but I'm not saying we can tell the future, but when someone lays it out that clearly, I'm saying we ought to seek wisdom to recognize the trials we face, to recognize the temptations that we're in, that we can respond in a way that leads us to the future that we already know is waiting. And so bringing this all down to a close here, the challenge is that we seek wisdom for who he's called us to be, not just what he's called us to do. Just as, it's important to do both. But what he has called us to do is going to hinge on how we respond to how we respond to those trials and temptations in life. And, and uh, in, I've already said in closing this probably 20 times now, right? Uh, but in bringing this down, I want to do something a little different in that the altars in the end here will be open. There will be music playing. Uh, but uh, what I want to do is really pray a prayer of blessing over you, uh, taking what's said in Scripture about wisdom and, and simply praying that over you, that you would uh, receive, be willing to and receive that wisdom today. And so as we close, what I'll do in just a moment is we'll stand and music will uh, play as I uh, pray this prayer of blessing over you. Uh, and then you're more than welcome to stay here at the altars. And maybe there's decisions you make. Maybe there's things you need to begin seeking wisdom uh, and make those changes and make those declarations before God. Uh, but I uh, want you to be willing to receive that blessing uh, as we go out today. So there won't be a formal uh, dismissal, uh, but that will be how we'll, we'll end today out. The altars will be uh, open uh, or you're free to connect with one another. So today, if you're willing, would you stand with me today before we head out? I want to pray, pray with you and pray over you uh, as we, we leave uh, and go on with our lives today. Lord, I thank you so much for this people here today, uh, this group of people, uh, the, the, the many things that they do in this church, in this community, in this city, and this great group that you've brought together. And the many occupations and the roles and the positions that we have, Lord, um, I pray that our hearts would be open and willing to receive your wisdom and to believe it, to not doubt that when we ask for wisdom that you have received it. And as, as Paul said in Ephesians, I ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give uh, you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. If you're willing to receive that today, let's say amen.
The altars are uh, certainly open if you want to stay here uh, in the back. The Gideons uh, are, are, are there uh, if you'd like to give to them. And if you didn't come prepared, there's a kiosk where you can designate a gift to them in the back.